guys, welcome to Simply Soccer episode 19. We are coming at you from San Diego. I've got Christian Conway and Jamie Bacon. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Yes, we are now in San Diego after having traveled to Houston last weekend for the two of um, us, but Jamie was actually in Arizona. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so as we were standing Cheering in the forty percent humidity and ninety degree heat in Houston in the 40%, sun. Forty percent oh, was charitable. Higher. It was a lot higher. Than it was that. from what I heard. It was eighty plus. It was. It, it was felt. It was like bad. It, it felt really hot. Um, but but you know everybody in the stands was going hard to cheer and at one point we were up two one. It seemed that they that we were working and then luckily we've already clinched the playoffs and now we know we're gonna be in Minnesota but. Yeah, but we let that game slip us to fifth place. I think if you look at this game, it's very... This is the Galaxy in 2019, is it not? Defensively, they're... I mean, if you look at, if you look at especially the Ramirez, I believe it was the second goal, mm -hmm. just the defense is nowhere to be found. Ramirez is completely open. The Elise, uh, uh, the Elise second goal as well, I mean, it's just... It, it, you wonder what they're thinking, and it's... It's frustrating because it's, I mean, the Galaxy have one of the best attacks in MLS right now as far as I'm concerned, but just the Galaxy defense needs to do better. And and you saw this, I remember I, I was watching the highlights and I saw on the Albert Elise goal, uh, the second goal in the 62nd minute, you see Sebastian Legette just throw his arms up in exa ex exasperation, just like, what do we have to do? I mean, it's it's a basic switch off where the center back is covering one uh, one runner, but the other center back, which was Stairs in this case, Stairs is nowhere to be found. And the, Albert Elise is just open in the box. And he's, when you leave a striker of that quality alone in the box, he's going to finish. It's Especially Houston at home. Exactly. And yeah. and, and they are a dangerous team at home. And, and we can talk about how they are in terms of a team. They're, they're a good team at home. And, and if you look at that roster, and I, as I said, um, in the previous podcast, I said, like, this is not a game that we should look lightly at because it's a tough game. But, I mean, you, these were basic school ground errors that you're sitting there and saying, like, what are we doing? Like, this is ridiculous. How, how can we make this, like, make these level of mistakes? It was, I, it, was, it was incredibly frustrating. But then you also look at the Galaxy offense. They hit the post two times. I mean, Legette comes off the crossbar and um, Zlatan also goes off the crossbar. Like, Oh, yes. Uh, man of the match was the post. Yeah, pretty much. It's just it's it's so frustrating at times to look at this team and just be like, all right, well, when we walk into playoffs, like it it it, it was it was one of the more frustrating matches I think of this season, where you look at it and you're like, this should have been very easy. Well, I mean, as easy as it could be, because like you said, we know our defense. Um, people have been you know complaining about Rolf Felscher, especially when. You know, you you literally see him standing and ball watching uh, when on the we Ramirez get on the first Ramirez on the goal. First yeah, Ramirez he just goal. he he didn't get there. But the, yeah, the thing but, about, but in our case, like yeah, we've discussed this though. But like, who else would we put there? Exactly, and and, and that's what's so frustrating, and I, and I think that's what's kind of killing Araujo. But he's young. I mean, he's seventeen, and and if you look at the when they when they canned Felger for Araujo, 
Araujo still makes a fair amount of mistakes too there. And then, of course, there were more goals even when Felcher was already subbed off. Yeah, exactly. And, and and I think the thing is, like, this is probably Rolf Felcher's worst game in a Galaxy jersey. I think there's no question in my mind on that on that yeah. front. And and Rolf is generally a dependable defender mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this Galaxy back line. But, I mean, it's just... It, if they have any hope of, of, of going deep in this playoffs, we have to yeah. talk about this back line having these kind of brain fart games where it's just like... They make these kind of just basic errors. And it really was reminiscent of last year. And I know the sports fans who want to have short-term memory and move on, but like when Houston had knocked us out from the playoffs last year, and then when you're kind of watching us lose a lead, you can't help but feel that. I mean, yes, we had clinched this year, but it felt very similar. I agree. And, and, and I think I know we're all kind of very, I guess, kind of, a little bit negative about what's going on right yes. now. But, I mean, Matt Doyle... We really wanted to, to solidify the, the home yeah, and the playoff. But the thing the about... Home advantage. I was, I was reading Matt Doyle's column on about decision day. He basically said, it wouldn't surprise me if the Galaxy run and gun their way to an MLS Cup victory by just beating every team 6-5. But it also wouldn't surprise me if the, if the Galaxy go out in the first round losing 5-0. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this team right now. Where it's like... The Galaxy can go out there and they can score five goals very easily. Mm-hmm. They can also concede five goals yes. very easily. And so, like, I don't know if that's – I actually do know, like, that's not the place you want to be going into MLS Cup playoffs where you're going to have to grind out wins and grind out, you know, kind of results. But the thing about it is now with the one-and-done playoff system that's going in, yes. this actually kind of, oddly enough, favors the team that's very – Underdog? <laughs> I don't know if underdogs, uh, or like, uh, it favors a team that you don't know what you're going to get over a 90 I mean, minutes. Yeah, that's MLS, I mean, right? Kind of, well, especially with the Galaxy, they've been inconsistent. Yeah, you, with this Galaxy, you spin the wheel, and you just don't know if you're going to get the offensive juggernaut that wins 7-2 against Sporting mm-hmm. Kansas City, or you're going to get what you got in Van- or against Vancouver and in Houston, where it's like, well, they can score, but they don't know how to play defense. And I think... Yeah. Well, I think it also favors a team where... We've consistently seen Zlatan only show up to games where he deems the games important. Mm. And sorry, Zlatan stands. I love Zlatan, but sometimes the guy says things that you're just like, what? I don't even know. Like, why are you here if you don't care? Right. You know, so he deems what games are important and he plays his heart out for them. Like, look at all LAFC games. He thinks that's the biggest rivalry for us. He plays his heart out. So he's already knocked the whole playoff system, but now that he understands like this is what it is, I think you see him go into those games and he plays even a level up above of what he is, if that's even possible. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he, he, he takes it even more seriously because he's never gone anywhere where he doesn't win hardware. It right. doesn't have to be a league. It could be any sort of tournament, cup, whatever within that league, but he doesn't go places and not win hardware. Yeah, that's true. And we did what we did see in Houston though was if he had stepped it up. I mean, he wasn't finishing either. There were plenty exactly. of chances handed. But we, we were could've... already in the playoffs. Yes, it could have been a five-four. And win. it was exactly. hot. If Zlatan had, it was yeah. miserable. Oh yeah, it was miserable. But the, really thing, the thing is, I think if you look at this Houston game and considering the fact that the Galaxy hit the post two times, this is it's one of those games where you look at this team, you're just like. They can do things. Like, mm-hmm. It's so frustrating, I think, right now because we're... When you have two golazos in the game. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're a year... It feels like we're just a year away from it being yes. all correct. And yes. this was that game where I felt like that... Like, the 7-2 win against Sporting Kansas City, I was like, this is what this team can be. And then we go out against Houston, and then this happens, and I'm like, 
This is what this like. We're can, so close and, and to. Houston what, was like way on the bottom of the table. Yeah. Can I? Uh, no, I mean they were close, but okay. like <laughs> they're third from the bottom, but third still, the bottom, I mean they're you know what I mean. within two points of the bottom. So something I've said earlier in the season when he doesn't play, whether it's being benched or red card punishment or whatever, it is the weirdest thing in 2019 to say we were one Daniel Sarris away from winning that game. We right. have never won a game with Gonzalez and Polenta starting. They do not because they are both because good said, center backs because in their I've own said right. It, I've they said on this podcast before. Good mm-hmm. Center backs together. I've, they said, are I've said on this podcast before. You need a certain level of one skill set versus one skill set in center back yes. pairing, and they have the exact same skill set. They both want to go up. They both want yeah, to and, and overcommit. They and both, I, you know they're I, out of position. Mm-hmm. They force each other out of position a lot because they play too similar. Exactly, and I think I, which I, doesn't help somebody like Rolf who already can't get in position. But I mean, in 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 this GBS system, it's dependent on the wingbacks paying high, and so therefore, I think this is a perfect system for Rolf because Rolf likes getting high on the field. Not if you have Polenta and Gonzalez as this pairing, is though. this is one of those pairings where I think yeah. he's got to sit a little bit further back. If you look at the heat map, he definitely sits a little bit further back on the halfway line. My question was how high we pinned Romney because he's if you look at the heat map on Romney. He's, his heat map, most of his interactions are way over the halfway field line. Romney really did step it up this game, though. Romney's been stepping yeah. it up all season. I mean, he's I think. been stepping it up. I will admit, it showed I, in this one. I watched, finger quote, watched this game um, while I was driving back from Arizona. So I really couldn't, like, look too in-depthly. But if announcers are saying your name and it's not for a goal, you're probably doing something wrong. And I heard Felcher a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I mean... I mean... <laughs> Rolf gets canned in this game pretty early for Araujo, and I I feel for Rolf because I, I, I think Rolf's getting called up for the Venezuelan national team. It's not a bad national team in South America if you if you know, you know on paper, but it's I, also a team that didn't qualify for the World Cup. So are you sure they're not bad? You can not qualify for the World Cup and still be a good national team. Ask Italy. Ask. You know, a lot of um, ask the Netherlands. Ask when a lot Italy of other didn't qualify, they were absolute fucking garbage, though. So I mean, the Dutch were not that bad either. The Dutch when, weren't when no, they didn't qualify. But they didn't, yeah, they didn't yeah. qualify. They had a year. Too. So, I mean, if you get canned in the 60s, that's minute as a wing back, then that indicates that you're not doing something correct. And and I mean, like, think of it is it's this is going to be the area that I think the Galaxy are going to go hard in in the off season if they're smart, which is wing backs. Because now, in, in, in today's modern game, like, in today's modern game, well, um, in today's game, like, wingbacks mean so much more than they ever well, then, have. Yeah, I know why you said modern game, because we were talking about uh, the 1930s and the 1950s. I'm working, I'm working on a uh, history nerd project about uh, the old, the ye, ye old game. Um, <laughs> but if you look at today's game, I mean, wingbacks act as attackers and defenders, and I think the Galaxy are operating on two wingbacks that aren't really sure what they want to be because they're a little bit older they have a little bit more older understanding of the game and now you're dealing with managers who are trying to convert them into these new like wing back wing winger kind of hybrids that which i mean manchester city did to very much a yedlin style like if we're going to talk as far as like american play yeah pretty, you know? sort yeah yeah I, 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 yeah um where like they're expected to be aggressive in attack but also be aggressive in defense and it's it's, it's um, it's just it's very interesting to see like, I I think if 
The, I mean, the biggest change that's going to happen in the offseason is GBS and DTK going out and grabbing a left winger and a, or a left wing back and a right wing back. I think that's they're going to have to do it. And I think this game against Houston proved that we're close, but we're not there yet yeah, in terms getting, of that defense. Well, and I think better, better midfield depth as well. Um, I think the midfield depth is actually pretty strong in the Galaxy. Pretty think good. Um, okay, no, 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 because here's the thing. So Corona got an injury. And then oh. you bring on Fabio Alvarez, who's a really good Which player. Which is great, but it also, if you... If you want to keep relying on having Sebastian and Jonathan as mm-hmm. and Corona as that pairing, you bring in a guy like Fabio. It upsets the balance. It's one hundred percent a different style. Yeah, yeah. You know, he plays he very different than Corona. It changes what Sebastian does. It changes what Jonathan does. It throws off the entire like, like well, yeah, and, and then Fabio and mesh of the midfield. Well, the thing about it is Corona's. And you go, but what do you do? What makes it better? Well, the thing about Carrasco make it better. He doesn't. No. The thing about Corona is that Corona, and, and I've said this a lot about the Galaxy midfield, is that we're not looking like. I think we fit in, especially in a four-three-three. We said we fit certain players in certain molds in a four-three-three, especially in the midfield three, mm-hmm. where it's like there's one that's the destroyer, there's one that's the metronome kind of guy, and then there's one that's the number ten, if you will. The thing about the Galaxy midfield right now is it's not necessarily that in terms of 4-3-3. Cuz if you look at these this Galaxy midfield in the 4-3-3, Jonathan Dos Santos is a metronome kind of guy, but he's also the destroyer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're playing Corona as kind of this weird old school Argentine idea of the enganche, which is the guy that links the defense to the midfield to the forward line and then I guess Legend is the number ten in this kind of conversation, where he a very awkward, not quite number ten, false. T- he's, he, he's, he's, it's weird. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not it's not our traditional understanding yes. of what the four yeah, three three a, is or what a ten is exactly. And yeah. and and I think oddly enough, I think GPS is kind of leading the line on this because now these kind of defined roles of like the number ten, the number nine, whatever, are starting, especially like are starting to fade away. Right, but. I think outside of that three, you look at who would step up next, a Carrasco who's more of a traditional six and a 4-4-2 kind of mm-hmm. thing. I mean, Fabio Alvarez is probably the closest thing we have to a traditional Argentine number 10. Exactly. And so then, therefore, if you when he comes in for Corona, you've got two 10s operating in the same space, pretty much. And then you could see it in that Houston game where they were kind of not really sure how to operate attackingly through the midfield. Because I couldn't see it. I was driving, and it's illegal to watch games while you're driving. <laughs> what yeah. you could see is that they were getting their wires crossed, and they didn't really... <laughs> Speaking of wires crossed, um, we kept at one point, because Zlatan was still in the race for the Golden Blue, there was that Zlatan ball again that had come back. Um, I could just see, you know, for one, crosses would work if we could do the good crosses. And we've seen that we just haven't been able to do that. This team can't cross the ball. Right. I think the one thing... This team cannot cross the ball. I think the one thing that bothered me the most about this game, and it's not even the 4-2 loss, I would have been fine losing 7-0 had we just played Matt Lampson and had three available subs. Uh, But when you play David Bingham... And you don't know if David Bingham can finish a game. And you have Diego Polenta taking goal kicks because David Bingham can't kick the ball. Why waste it? Yeah. Because the I mean, game, technically, but I mean, but I mean, the game, Bingham, but all, like, the game technically Bingham, doesn't in, matter. In Bingham's defense, he was the leading shot stopper in MLS this season. But when he, you're he will not win, he will not win the Golden Glove. But. Right. but he's injured. So why do you risk it and risk 
in a, in when we the have the big playoff like game that. coming, and especially when you uh, and I know this is unavoidable. You don't know this is going to happen, but when you have to burn a sub at minute twenty, yeah, you're completely fucked if you're saving that third sub and it's ninety five degrees, whatever yeah. humidity. Which you it, guys can't even. Which guys look which tired it, we had to have dead. water breaks, not just us in the stand. Lethargic. Stands. Which yeah. which it seemed hot. which it seems like it seems like GBS was holding that third sub for. for Bingham. Because, oh, I mean, Kobe Jones kept talking about it all, like the all because the I was listening. He kept talking about it. Yeah. I mean, it was because there because there is a sub that you can argue to be made, which is Pontius at some point in this yeah. game for Antuna or something just, like yeah, that, that, and that's your third sub, and you go. But you're saving it for a goalie that probably didn't need to play. Essentially, the game does not matter. You're already in the playoffs. Take a chance. On yes, Lampson yeah. fucked up during yeah, Vancouver, that's what I but was also. Thinking. The entire team looked bad during Vancouver. You can't blame just Lampson. No, I agree. 100%. He wasn't good. I think it's interesting. But he wasn't as bad as people wanted. But they're also. But, to be. but I think the reason you start being two in this game is because you know if you win, you get home field advantage, and there's yeah. not and there have to use a sub. But there have been times where where Bingham has dragged you through a game in terms of making stops. I mean. Right, but not when he's injured. But That's you can't you, if if you have Diego Polenta taking goal kicks the entire time because Bingham can't kick a ball. That's Bingham should, shouldn't be. I agree. Player. I agree. I, yeah. I, I think. I think well, it was. Well, are we gonna say like because about how they had mishandled uh, uh, Sandrini's injury? And well, this thing is like the club knows they messed up with Drini and that they he should have had that surgery last season. Yeah, we were talking about it earlier yeah. today. He should we have like, never missed this season. He should have missed the majority of last season. You know, and and uh, yeah. The club messed up on that. Yeah, I agree. And in in, in it's think, hard to end a passionate guy, like tell a passionate guy, like you can't. Sit play. Down. Yeah, and, and I think I think I, I I have a feeling that Austin Trini was told like you should probably get this done. Yeah. And Austin Trini basically said we're close to getting a playoff spot last year. Yeah. And basically said no, I'm good. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. But but I mean it's it's, it's who Austin Trini is. It's that's why I love him. Yeah, that, that, that's why he's so popular amongst the fans is that he will never. Well. Give up in terms of like, yeah, we have know. to wait and see what because then that also like kind of puts on Antuna, is what we were saying too. If Alessandrini is in, there's no way, there's no way, there is no way Antuna gets dropped. I, not, I have no so, question. So, so we're not saying like this so season through the playoffs, but we're saying so. if Alessandrini is 100% healthy, ready to go next season, Antuna is not a starter anymore. I'll disagree, actually. Uh, mm. I don't think Antuna, I don't think Antuna is a starter. I think he comes in at 60. I think we always take 60 to 70. I think we always take Allison Drini out early. But next season, fully healthy, I do not think Antuna starts. I don't think Antuna is a bad player. I think Allison Drini is a far superior player. As far as MLS goes, he has a better understanding. He, in a short amount of time when he first even came over to MLS, proved more than Antuna. Uh, but again, all of this is really dependent on what Zlatan does. But also, Antuna... Because even our, even our formation is dependent so, on Zlatan. So my yeah. my argument for Antuna starting overall is the fact that Antuna's played himself to the Mexican national team, starting for the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. Six goals, five assists. Like, he's put numbers on the board. Yeah, he's our he offers a, top I think, scorer. I think he offers a little bit something different than... Allison Journey does. He's he, pacier than Allison Journey is. But if you look at, can make those but if you look at this but season, can cross but list. here's the thing: you look at this season and you look at what he's produced. Yeah, sure, he had a hat trick against Cuba. It was Cuba. <laughs> Who cares? Like, but he's, play, he, but it, he's it, played, it, but, but he's played but, himself into that conversation of the Mexican national team. But it hasn't translated to club. Whereas Allison Journey, you're looking at like a 10-10 guy minimum. 
he might give you 15 goals and 15 assists next, you know. Antuna had a full season and never hit that point. Yeah, he's our second highest goal scorer with four goals. Six. Oh, six now. I'm sorry. But still, I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm literally it's, looking absolutely, at it as we're it's absolutely ridiculous that he didn't have those goals until the very end of the season. And why did he have them? Because Pavon came in. Yeah, and I, I, you know, and, and Pavon was the game changer. It wasn't Antuna. Antuna didn't do anything. Yeah, differently. he wasn't good enough. And the, Allison Dream was good enough without Pavon. This is, this and is that is why I think Allison Dream starts over Pavon next. And season. and this is a, this is or, a good, or, not sorry, Antuna. not Pavon. Antuna. 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 I was gonna say you're not you're not benching no, 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 Antuna, no, no, and no, no, no one in their Pavon's right mind. Never is, being benched, no, no one in their right mind is benching. Also, shout out to our friend Joe to her man's. Pavon. <laughs> oh yeah, Kishan scored for JoJo in Houston. Yeah, in front of her, <laughs> like she wanted. Yeah, Pavon's goals have been away goals. Um, I think uh, this is, but this conversation that we're just having is a good conversation to have. Like this is what a lot of the best teams in the world. It's a great problem to have. Exactly. I want that yeah. to be. A this is a great conversation to have because like, we have depth. The best, the best teams in MLS the, are starting to have this conversation. Because going into the season, we didn't have this problem. No, we did not. Right. Our problem was. How the fuck are we going to finish the season? Right. We don't yeah. have players. Who's, who's, still, who's still walking at the end of the year? Like, our greatest vi- Honestly, if we had missed playoffs, our greatest victory this year would have been that we bought out Giovanni Dos Santos. Oh, yeah. I think our greatest <laughs> victory would have been signing Chris Pavone, but... Uh, well, he, but if you sign Pavone and we still miss playoffs, is that as big of a victory as getting rid of Gio? Because you get Pavone for another year. But you get rid of the dead weight. I think that was more important because you can still fill that dead weight spot next we're still season. We're going to continue. Yeah, I still. We all we all knew the writing was on the wall. That was one of our greatest victories. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Should we say about Pavon, like how much he's helped the team? And yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at eleven eleven games, three goals, eight assists. Mm -hmm. That's insane. That's That's a point a game. That is a point point a game. game. I mean, these are numbers that like. MLS players dream of putting up. You're looking and and he's coming and he's coming into a league. Six goals, five assists. So you're looking at a guy who played an entire season. Yeah. Who is finishing with essentially the same stats as a guy who came in for ten games? And the other thing about it is, it's, it's like it's, it's crazy. Well, the thing about the thing about it with Pavon is that, um, like, this is a new league, and, and we talk about how hard it is to come to MLS, right? Like, MLS is a very difficult league to understand. I mean, how hard it is just to come to America? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's I mean, language barrier. You have travel barrier. MLS travel sucks. Yeah, um, it really yeah. does. As we're heading and into he it, he came in at a rough point too. We yeah. did a lot of what we, east to west yeah. real quick, and we were also we when he came in, we were winless in like something like ten games. It was it was it was yeah. a really rough stretch, and then just all of a sudden the team, the club looked different. Yes, the minute that he comes in, yeah, they jumped. Zlatan looked happy, and it's yes. been a long time about, since we've someone seen who could get balls to him. The thing about the thing yeah. about the Pavone thing with Z that I always found really really interesting was the minute that Pavone came in, Z started being a lot more positive. About being yes. around the LA Galaxy, if you yeah. if the rhetoric changes the minute immediately Pavon that walks toxicity in. that we were worried about that was just was gone. The team was just yeah mm-hmm. gone. Basically, Z was saying like, "Oh, I feel like I'm a 24 year old again. Like yeah. I feel like I'm playing like like I was a kid again." I, I, in fact, even watching Pavon get those balls to Zlatan, you could just see in Zlatan's face like, "Oh, I'm actually not ready for these." Exactly, well, like he's celebrating goals. He started yeah. celebrating his goals yeah. again. I mean, there was a big chunk of the season where he'd score a goal and the team would run at him to hug him, and he would he just, just kind of walk away. He's like, "I don't care." It's whatever. It's, it's I'm doing five hundred and something. I'm yeah. out of here. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 almost like signing a twenty four year old winger who had World Cup starts in two thousand eighteen is actually a pretty good thing for a club. Yes. Like you know, what? Yeah, no, that right. sounds <laughs> stupid. I know. How <laughs> odd does that sound? <laughs> we should totally give him back. Yeah, I mean, he's only. I mean, I'm I'm fairly confident. Boca's looking at these numbers and just being like, oh, I think we missed out a little bit. <laughs> 
Pocus well, like had a rough run of it too. I hope he recently, keeps so. it going next next season. I hope Pocus you know? is dumb enough to just sell them to us for cheap. Yeah. They are definitely They're never going to sell them. No, for cheap. of course not. Um, but I, I think if you, as we, I know we didn't really want to get too far of our right. too, too far ahead of ourselves if we're looking yeah, at playoffs because we're doing a playoff. We're doing we're doing a full <laughs> playoff prediction kind of thing. But like I, in I mean this Galaxy team can run and gun. Yeah. And like this loss to Houston, yeah, it sucks. We're realizing the fact that we have a very weak, not great defense, but mm-hmm. well, we haven't. But, but man, <laughs> we'll get we'll get a healthy we'll get a healthy David Bingham back in two weeks. Yeah. And then this team can just run and gun, okay. and like that's. I mean, we're going to have to get very comfortable with conceding three goals, but this team can score four. Yeah, yeah. Look, when we were up two one, I mean, I was still. Yeah, like the shadows of last season. I, I think I, t- I think I, I told feel, I think I told yeah. you I was like, there's no way we there's no way we get out of this game winning two one. Yeah, exactly. I think I said we we're, we're we're winning this either like four three or three two. Yeah, and we did get like high predictions beforehand uh, when we we're doing stuff for first to five. We were saying we have to we have to get like five goals because you know Zlatan hat trick because we wanted him to get the golden boot and then I knew Pavon would get a goal and then after that you would kind of figure Antuna maybe is who I thought was going to score. Um, we didn't get that. I think also with with Houston, they were playing kind of a weird opponent because Houston was expected to be a playoff team this year. Right. And if you look at the talent on paper, they are a playoff team. Well, they did put on put on put it on. I think I think I think we I think what I think what we saw with Houston was the Houston that I think most of us expected to see throughout the regular yes. season, rather than the Houston that we really got through the season, especially after uh, Wilmer Cabrera was fired, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I said, I, and I, I think I said this on the preview, or I was like, look, this is a dangerous game. This is a weird game for the Galaxy yes. to go into because you're going to Houston with a Houston team that a lot of them are playing for their lives. Yeah. And a team that if they don't prove that they've got it, they could blow up the entire thing in, you know, two days. And I mean, if you look at Albert Elise, who was – fantastic in this game against the Galaxy. If you look at, you know, Mara Manotas, you look at um, Christian yeah, Ramirez. Yeah, I was going to say Ramirez, yeah. It was basically two really good forward lines playing against each other and just whose defense was going to be worse. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as we know, the Galaxy's defense was going to be entirely yeah. worse. By the way, um, as we, I, I know we want to start transitioning into the U.S. Men's National Team yes. and whatnot, but I want to button hook it and say that um, I hate to kind of give another team a lot of credit, but I have to give a massive moment of respect for Demarcus Beasley. Oh, thank oh, God, because right. I was about to cut you off so I, I could do this too. One okay. of the one he of be forever, and he transitions well into the U.S. men's national team. One of the hmm. one of the greatest men's national team players of all time. One of the most incredible American players of all time. Just a guy that I think we all agree was was one of the. I remember growing up watching DMB, just absolute school fools. Absolutely. I mean, he is honestly just an all around good human about being it. too. One of, off the field, one just of, a great person. One of the most incredible human what beings. What an honor to yeah. send him off into retirement. What a I hell of a career. I cried a little bit when they subbed him out. I, it was yeah. a really, really special. What moment. a hell of a career, and I and I truly wish DMB the best in retirement. I I wish him best in whatever endeavor uh, takes him. And we will see on. him in the back line of Ekaton. Also, if you want to play for the Galaxy at a uh, left back next year. We we won't argue. I mean, 2020 is coming around <laughs> if he also wants to start for the back the back line of uh, the U.S. Well, men's national team. Um, we'll win a cup with you. I promise. Yeah, no, I I, I truly... Uh, it was Next cool. season, yes. It was, it was cool, like, because uh, when we were in the away end, uh, you know, the Galaxy fans also applauding off DMB. That, I mean, he's he's truly just... He's an institution in MLS that I think it's, it's going to be weird next year when we start up the season. He's not going to be there. 
Um, so yeah, for credit to you, DMV, congratulations oh, yeah. on an incredible career and, uh, cheers, cheers, cheers to you. Nope. We got to actually cheers guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so transitioning into U S men's national team with that. Well, actually, do you want oh, to no. talk about uh, player of the year, defensive player of the year? Oh yeah, I did write that on my notes. Um, yeah. It's the same yes, player. So does it really matter? <laughs> well, it was always going to be Zlatan, right? With his like high scoring. No, no. The player of the year and the defensive player of the year are the same player. And it's Jonathan. Jonathan Dos Santos. Dos Santos. I was about to say that as well. <laughs> it's absolutely 100% because JDS, this, this team can operate. I believe like, I, I, and I've said it multiple times. I, I think this team is like, so, okay. Player of the year, which always gets given to an attacking player because that's just the general sense of it. Belongs to Z. This is why I said that. (laughs) Had Pavone been around for a full season, I I would have given it to Pavone. Absolutely. Yeah. Without Um, Pavone being there, it's Jonathan. It's either Jonathan or Z. Defensive Player of the Year. Captain (laughs) Co-Captain. Is Jonathan. Is Jonathan Dos Santos? I think. Our midfield does not function without him. Not because as I've said multiple times in this podcast, he's missed. He's a unique skill set that not a lot of other midfielders have. And you pair him with Corona and Legit, and we do well. He's he metronomes the the. The midfield ball, but he's also like one of those defensive, like number six destroyer types. And you know that he could score too. Exactly, <laughs> he's 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 in complete total package. He like oh. the thing about Jonathan that always kind of like why I'm always in awe of him is he because without his brother. No. <laughs> the reason I'm always in awe of Jonathan Santos is because he does two things so incredibly well that you don't see a lot of midfielders either. Midfielders do one thing, one of these things incredibly yes. well, or one of the other things incredibly well. You either see a midfielder that metronomes the, the midfield and the attack incredibly well, who's the pace setter, who knows what he's doing, whatever, or you see like one of them being just an absolute fantastic destroyer against the other team. Still yeah. souls. Jonathan Dos Santos yeah. does yeah. that perfectly well on both sides of the ball. And like, it's it's but, such a rare skill set yeah. to see a midfielder do both of them. In that game where we drew Seattle, he did this he slide was, tackle that was just literally could have set the field on fire. He was <laughs> in that game against Seattle. Like he got that away was with that, that was the biggest shining All example that. of what Jonathan Dos Santos is. Yes, which is just he covers ground incredibly well. He covers space. He reads he the game incredibly map. well. Yeah. I, I mean, I know player of the year never goes to defensive types. It's just right. it's it's a general bias. But it's just but, the way that he plays for us, and and it works so well. But going back to what I said, I think our greatest victory of the year was was selling Giovanni or buying out Giovanni yeah. Dos Santos. Had we not bought out Gio, Jonathan probably still would have done everything that happened in years in the year before. Mm-hmm. Like he was so much in his brother's shadow. Yes, so much. Like, but the sense, influenced, influenced was, by his brother. But I think, but the, sense, where, but the sense, in I get. a way where like Jonathan had fake injuries. I'm sorry, injuries that were you can't see the air quotes. But whatever, <laughs> fucking fake injuries, right? But the because, sense, because but the sense I get, but the sense I get, the to. sense I get with Jonathan Dos Santos is that he's never wanted to tie himself to Gio. He's always wanted to differentiate himself. But he himself was tied Gio. to him, he and was. he did, and he lived in that shadow. Yeah. And getting rid of Gio was the greatest thing that ever happened for Jonathan's career. Because if you look at if you look at Jonathan Dos Santos's career stops wherever he was not associated with Gio, especially at Villarreal and um, oh God. Another club in Spain that I'm, it's not coming to my memory right now. Just look at how he plays for Mexico. He's exactly. so much better oh than Oh my Gio. gosh, yes, just for Mexico. He, he, he feels much more free because mm-hmm. he's not being tied. Because, I mean, if you look at Giovanni Dos Santos' history and, and like what Giovanni Dos Santos was, I mean, Giovanni Dos Santos was expected oh, to be a yeah. top 10 player of all time. I was there. And he's he got the talent. And Gio had the talent, but he's lazy and he parties too much. And Jonah always kind of wanted to be. Coke and hookers, coke and hookers. 
<laughs> Jonah always wanted to be the quiet one that just played. And if you look at all of his career stops where Gio's not involved. I'm partying with Gio. <laughs> Jonah, Jonah is absolutely phenomenal. Every single time he's not partnered with Gio. And I think that to me is like. And that is why buying out Gio's contract was one of the greatest victories that Galaxy yeah. had. It was, about, it, it was one of the best front office moves in a very long time. Yeah. Um, but I, I well, that took getting rid of Mahanis and first, then, so. yeah, so they, they were trying to also like so, say that since Gio got injured, that you know Jonathan was mentally not going to be in the game. Uh, that's, no, I, 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 seen that. I think he actually would have preferred that Gio was injured all the time because oh, he couldn't geez. actually play. Uh-huh. No, we're talking about that, like that, no, no, that no, injury that, he that had injury. It at uh, America. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. America, the, yeah, the big chunk that was the which was horrible to watch in person. Oh, it was terrible. I watched it in person, and I, I. It's the first time I ever believed Gio was actually injured. So that's why I brought it up. I hate, I hate, to, I hate to make light of that, light of that but I, I, I no, I, mean, I did, was, I did feel for Gio. It was a bad injury, it was, but, and and yes, you never want to see that. You know, like you joke about like break his leg, but you never, never really it. want to see something like that in sports. You no, know? I agree. But I agree. Again, it was still the very first time and only time I've ever actually believed Gio was injured. Okay, so let's go. All right, all right. All right let's, U.S. Men's National. Wait, wait, no, real quick. Real quick, real quick. We're not, we're not, we're not. Okay. I actually want to go around How the room. are we talking about Gio? Let's go. Yeah, right. I want to go around the room and actually get player of the year and uh, defender of the year from um, each of you guys. Oh, you go first. Yeah. Mine's Jonathan Jonathan. Jonathan. Same, 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 same. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Jonathan. I mean, can, can Jonathan be a def- defensive? <laughs> I mean, he's a defensive midfielder. <laughs> yeah, defensive midfielder. Yeah. So that's who I had was um, Zlatan Player of the Year just because of the number of goals he had and because Zlatan does Zlatan things Record and all the yeah golosos and yeah breaking records exactly, which is what he came here to do. Okay, I'm gonna completely break the mold a little bit here. Okay. I have second votes if you want my. Second I'm going. Votes. I am going. Zlatan was player of the year just because he the records he broke and, and the fact that he he did keep us in a lot of games. Defensive player of the year. I know I said Gio or uh, Gio, uh, Jonathan earlier, but I'm actually going to change that. I'm going David Bingham. Huh. Because David Bingham set the MLS lead in terms of shots stopped, in terms of like right. pretty much every goalkeeping metric David Bingham led, except for clean sheets. Mm-hmm. And he admirably kept us in games where Big saves. That wasn't even my secondary vote. Oh, really? Polenta was my secondary vote. Yeah. No, I, I think David Bingham deserves some form of, of recognition because, I mean, he, he put together a phenomenal season in, in behind a defense that left that him out him to see yeah. multiple times, and he somehow clawed himself. Which hilariously is a defense that is far better than last season. It really Oddly is. enough, yes. <laughs> and we haven't seen Shelvick back there in a minute. Do you guys remember Siani? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if, if you, just based on the Siani mention. Anyway, you as men's national team. <laughs> just based on the Siani mention, if anyone's got a nearby shot of vodka, please take it. Um, <laughs> oh my, oh my goodness. goodness. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, okay, well, everyone we'll... drink until you black out. Considering uh, talking about disappointing defenses, let's talk about the US men's national team. Yeah, except that they. One seven zero against Cuba, and uh, McKinney got his hat trick. No, Morris got a goal. But, but I don't minutes. want to speak about bad. Uh, it was thirteen, but I don't want to speak about bad defenses uh, in this lineup because I'm actually really into that Tim Ream uh, Matt Miazga center back pairing. Mm. I think that is a beautiful pairing going forward. Ream. The thing about Tim Ream is that 
I think he's never got really his due at national team level. He's been an admirable servant for Nottingham Forest. He's been an absolutely fantastic defender. He's now at Fulham. He's been playing very well. For some reason, it's 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 interesting because like him and Danny Williams are two very good players that always seem to get overlooked by the US men's national team. And they're, I mean, like, whenever they show up, like, we're always like, oh, God, these guys are revelations. And I'm like, we keep having this conversation yeah. every year at a camp where we're like, Tim Ream and Danny Williams are actually really good. Like, I mean, I know we know that Ream's not bad, but I just think that a lot of times, um, you know, we go through center backs like crazy, just through injury, through not being official uh, FIFA dates, so you and can't call them up. Well, also, I, I mean, because and, and that's the thing is John like, Brooks can't stay healthy. That's the issue. Uh, John Anthony Brooks, I miss you so much. What a, what a career that dude could have had had he been able to stay healthy. Mm. But I think Reem and Miazga are. Really great center back pairing. Really great. I, I think I think it's something to if you can keep them consistently together, it is you're gonna be able to build something going. I think forward. the big winner of me or the big winner for me last night in terms of the defense was Reggie Cannon. Which shocks me because I don't love him. I, I I think I think we're all <laughs> a little bit late to this Reggie Cannon train, and I know De- <laughs> I know Dallas fans have been riding it pretty aggressively. Reggie Cannon for me is the truth and light. Like he's 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 Miles Robinson, but with a defensive mind. Like now, he's he's as good as Miles Rob, Miles Robinson is in the attack, but he's a little bit better defensively. I, I really I like don't Rich actually Cannon. love Robinson either. Well, no, because he's a, he's a straight he's a straight track speedster. He's not he doesn't but have anything defensively. Cannon, I actually I appreciate more coming up. The one that I question still when he gets called up is. Lovitz. Like, why is Daniel Lovitz on this team? That's Elon That's not- Elon University alum, Daniel Lovitz, to you, because he went to my college. <laughs> why is some backwoods North Carolina school <laughs> Daniel Lovitz? <laughs> I just, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe what, what do we have to offer? So, in fact, but why is it Lovitz? So I understand, I, having watched him in college... I understand, I think, why Greg Berhalter likes this game. Because Danny, uh, Danny Lovitz was not... Because he loves MLS. Well, no. Danny Lovitz wasn't a left back uh, at Elon. He was a left winger. Okay. And so okay. a lot of his game is a lot more aggressive at the left back position than it necessarily the high is. left back. Yeah. And, and the, it, the hybrid and if, left back. Yeah, exactly. Basically, he, see, he sees him as Nick Lima's understudy, which is that guy that can can play that, that all-important, okay. quote-unquote... Like I'm not sold on him. Left back that turns into a left wing that turns into like a number ten in a certain level kind of position. I'm still not sold on him. I well, I don't think he's national team quality. I, I truly I, I agree. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I'm saying. He's too. great. He's fine for MLS. He's he's a guy. He's a guy that you you call up in this kind of camp where it's like you're playing Canada and Cuba. But at the same time, shouldn't you still be calling up the guys that you need to? have play together and gel together, the guys that are right. going to be your World Cup qualifying guys, the guys that are, who are going to be your World Cup team. So that's why, the entire why, question. Why do you keep playing guys the, that are never going to ever see the World Cup? This is that this is the entire question I have about Bear Halter and Bear Halter's system, right. where he keeps switching up things. Like, if... Like, I think, why I think a lot, there? I think a lot more American fans lost, would be a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. with what Bear Halter's doing if he would decide on a starting 11 and stick to it at the very least. I, yeah. But we get so much transition in these starting 11s, and especially in games where that matters. I mean, if you look at the Gold Cup, I mean, it was... Oh, oh, that was... It was a smorgasbord of... It. it was basically like dartboard, like, all right, who's starting today? Let's throw darts at the dartboard and see what happens. Like, it's... I, I think with Bearhalter is like... The one thing I want to see from Bearhalter is consistency, and I don't see it. I never do. I understand his stylistic choices. I understand exactly what he's trying to do in terms of, like, the style of play he wants. I understand what he's trying to do in terms of, like, this, that, and the other thing. It's just... I. 
I don't see the same 11 player pool consistently Absolutely. playing together to right. the point where I feel very confident about like saying like this is the United States starting 11. Right. I can bank on this and I feel good about it. Yeah, it's even worse. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, it was 7-0 against Cuba, but I yes, celebrate every goal, but also maybe it should have been 13-0, you know? <laughs> See, but the thing is, I think with with what happened in that game, if you look at it around the 60th minute, the United States really takes their foot off the gas. Mm-hmm. And then also Cuba kind of, to, to their credit, and and, and I, I really truly credit the uh, Cuban head coach because he, <laughs> I truly credit the Cuban head coach because he benched his son, who was the goalkeeper oh for goodness. another goalkeeper, which is the ultimate sign of disrespect, I think. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I, I credit the Cuban head coach because he basically said, like, we're dealing with nothing. We've had 15 players defect between the Gold Cup and this friendly set. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what I can – like, what else am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way that Cuba played in the first half, they actually kind of went out there and tried to play the United States, like, kind of mano a mano. Like, they were – like, the reason the United States was so effective in the first half was because Cuba was trying – like, was trying to play them. And they gave them space, and the United States just duly attacked through that space and – Kind of beat them up. If you look at the second half, around the 50th minute, Cuba decides, like, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and then therefore bunkers. And then what you see is the United States just aimlessly crossing into the yeah. box because they don't really they, – they couldn't break down, the like, this very compact defensive structure, which is kind of a, a bit of a concern because if the United States is what we think it is, especially with Christian Pulisic, they've got to be able to run through that team that's going to sit, like, that compact because you're going to get that all through qualifying. Hmm. So, like, I mean – at the end of the day, we won 7-0. And I think this is the win that the United States kind of really needed to get people yeah, I mean, excited about the for program For real, that's again. what I was hoping. Because, yeah, it, like you said earlier, it's like U.S. soccer has died three times. And we really need them to come back. Well, actually, it died four times if you consider Trinidad and Tobago. Right. I mean... We don't talk about 10-10-2017. <laughs> but we I think, don't talk about 10-10-2015 either. <laughs> mm. I think I think if you're if you're the United States, this is a win you kind of needed, and and you need and you did it in stylistic US fashion. Men. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you like, I mean, let's be clear. Let's if be you're clear. the U.S. men's national team, this is a win you needed, and I think I think they did it in stylistic fashion. They did it in mm-hmm. a way that kind of everyone was like, hell yeah, like this. McKinney hat trick. Uh, Weston McKinney. Yeah. Weston McKinney was brilliant. Yeah. For the 45 minutes he played, I was actually kind of bummed he got subbed off after 45 because yeah. I thought yeah. he was the best player on the field. Yeah. Um, I mean. You're up. Already. Jordan Morris is, I know we're a general Jordan Morris hate club here, but I mean, Jordan Morris was they absolutely. Are. I'm sorry, what? Fuck Jordan Morris? Is that what we're talking about? Jordan Morris was, was brilliant in this game. He set up the own goal for Cuba. Yeah, I know. And it, I really hate. I hate that own goal too. I feel bad for that defender on that own goal because the goalkeeper makes the save and it just yeah. bounces off the glove onto the guy's face and he's just like trying to head it away and it goes in. I'm just. Um, I think Jordan Morris was a part of like five of the seven goals, whether it was assist or scoring. Mm-hmm. And every single time I looked at the TV and One I was like, goal, three assists. fuck you, Jordan Morris. I hate you. <laughs> and what? I'm so angry that he's good right now. <laughs> so, I mean, he's been playing some of the best soccer of any American attacker right now. Yes. But I think you also look at, I mean, the, the one thing that I was, I was kind of disappointed by was I was really excited to see Tyler Boyd in this game and considering what he can offer, considering that he... I mean, they they convinced him to leave New Zealand to play for the United States. Mm. He, in the Gold Cup, showed a few moments of just absolute brilliance. He didn't look great in the second half, um, and I was kind of bummed about that. Um, but he's playing for a good team in Turkey right now, and I, I think he's going to be... Um, I mean, he'll be a factor, I think, moving forward. Paul Areola, you have to play him in his home stadium. Obviously, that's kind of a nod to him being a player of DC United. 
Um, I thought Paul looked pretty good. Sebastian in his 22 minutes. I was going to say, he, he came on, yeah. Legette looks very good. I mean, yeah. he, had, he probably had the best chance of the U.S. in the second half. He, he sky, or he doesn't sky, he misses it just inches yeah. wide. I think since Sergeant coming back from too. Gold Cup, he's really stepped up again. Legette? Yeah, yeah Legit, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, he, he had some really good games in the beginning of the season, and then I think just the nerves, and I think he even mentioned it in he an did. interview, just kind of like the nerves of like, am I going to make camp? Am I going to be in this tournament kind of thing? Just yeah. kind of got in his head. He very, he very much talked and, about... And ever since he's come back from it, like he's stepped up. He's like next level legit right now. He mm-hmm. very he very much talked about um, how after the injury, how like how he would be perceived in the men's national team kind of set up and like mm-hmm. that really gave him a lot of anxiety. He he talked about it very deeply. Yeah. I mean, he he looked very comfortable out there, and, 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 and I think, absolutely. I think the way that Bearhalter kind of wants his midfielders to play plays very much into legit skill set. Yeah. Guys that are comfortable in playing in traffic and then finding a pass really quickly out of that. So, I'm happy. I mean, like Legette's Legette's a damn good player. Like he I is. think we forget that very often. I know. And, I'm, and I'm glad to have him on the Galaxy and yeah. see that he's playing well with the. And U.S. as I've always, I've always said, as Legette ticks, so the Galaxy ticks. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy for him. I mean, like, this is hard to take a lot out of because it's Cuba and, you know, I mean, they couldn't field a full bench. And, mm-hmm. and, and we all know kind of what Cuba struggles with in terms of fielding an 11 and, and struggles with in terms of whenever they come to the United States and, mm-hmm. and Canada in terms of players. I mean, if you look at Cuban defectors that, have, that are in MLS right now, I mean, like, imagine this Cuban team with, like, Ozzy Alonso and stuff like that. It's a very different conversation we're having here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but imagine this U.S. national team with the best soccer players in America and mm-hmm. not just the ones who... It's a very another different question. <laughs> ...could afford to play for academies and right. have rich parents yeah. right. and blah, blah, and blah, 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 blah. And, play. and that's an entire separate <laughs> podcast that we talk about the U.S. developmental system. And Absolutely. Like, that's probably an off-season one. I was going to say, I was going to say... Stay tuned. We're probably in this yeah, off-season just going to pick one or two topics and just yeah, go deeply. But in case anyone wanted to know where I stand on pay-to-play, it is fucking stupid. Agreed. Entirely 110%. Missing out on great, great talent. Um, I think Canada is going to be a little bit more the accurate test in terms of what we're, we're looking at. Good. Yeah, or like if this is working. Again, air quotes, good. <laughs> and I think I, I think this Canada team is not the Canada that we all thought it was. Yeah. This is a good Canada team. Oh, okay. This is a very good Canada team. And I think... Yeah, but a very good Canada team is still Canada. I mean, they've got... I mean, Yves Butabala was courted by Barcelona. He went to Barcelona. He played for Barcelona B. Mm. Didn't work out with him necessarily there, but Barcelona B is kind of a, always a consistent kind of thing like that. I mean, you look at it, you know, their goalkeeper is starting for Red Star Belgrade, which is one of the toughest clubs to start for in the world. I mean, the Deligi mm. do not suffer easily. I mean, they've got, you know, Daniel Henry is still reliable at 26. I mean, he's only 26. You've got Sam Adekugbe. Um, I mean, Scott Arfield's a good player. He plays at Rangers. I mean, Samuel Piet at 24 with 44 caps. I mean, this is a young, exciting team. Alfonso Davies at Bayern, and he got playing time at Bayern this year. This is a young team and an exciting team. And if I am the U.S., this is going to be a very difficult match against Canada because Canada also really wants this. The Canadian men's national team finally feels like they they finally feel like they're a part of the rivalry. Because, hmm. I mean, we obviously talk about the U.S. and Mexico rivalry. Yeah. But Canada's kind of quietly said, we want in on this conversation. <laughs> like, we want to be part of this conversation. And I think they finally have the team to really get themselves into that conversation. I mean, the average age on the starting 11, as far as I can tell, is probably going to be something around 25. Mm-hmm. That's a good place to be in a national team. 
So I think it, it, Tuesday is going to be a very difficult game for the U.S., but I think it's going to be a, a, a test to see where is the U.S. where we think it is. Yeah. You know. Well, getting where we want to be. Exactly. Yeah. Qualifying. I think it's. I think it's going to be very. I. I. Tuesday is going to be a very. I. Telling. I was going to say if 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 you were trying to glean something from these two games and try to learn where the U.S. is exactly, I'd say Tuesday is going to be the match that you should watch. Okay. And kind of glean where. Where the U.S. is and what we think it is. We're going to win. I'm not sure. I, I honestly am not. It might be a draw. Well, I, I they're going they're going up to Toronto. Toronto's a tough place to play. Yeah, it is. It's a good it's a it's a it's a stadium that if if the atmosphere is right is a very difficult place to play. I mean, you saw it uh, two years ago in the MLS Cup playoffs. Yeah. I mean, no one wanted to go to Toronto because it was it was a difficult place yeah. to play. The crowd was 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 fantastic. I, this is this is far from a guaranteed win for the United States mm. national team. But I think if Bear, this I think we lose. I think if Bearhalter can get out of this game with a win or a draw, this will be a defining moment of the Bearhalter era, and we'll start to realize, like, okay, maybe th- we're on the right track. Okay. I think best case we draw. I agree. I think I think a draw is most I likely think the result. Best case we draw, but I honestly think we lose this match. I'm I'm kind of predicting a tense two-two draw. Bearhalter coaches himself out of this match. Mm. So yeah. Okay, we're on a quiet set. Can we like put down our devices? Okay. Wait. With that said, was there anything else we needed to cover? Um, I just want to say a quick shout out to um, all of you that did road trips this year. Yes. Uh, the numbers came out. Oh, yeah. The Galaxy traveled 27,112 people, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, um, which is a MLS record and an MLS uh, we led the lead this year. So all of you guys who put in road, uh, road Warrior effort, you guys are some of my favorite people in the world. Um, if you have never done an away day, and you heard that number and you're a little bit intimidated by it, whatever, come. It's so much fun. People already booked. Major shout out to Band Bunny for not being able to go to home games, but <laughs> making almost every away game. Yeah. And shout out for Arturo for making every away game this year. I mean, you guys are like. <laughs> Although it's your fault, Art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the away records. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, if you've never done an away trip, uh, do it next year. It is absolutely incredibly fun. You meet some of the coolest people you've ever met. It's a cool way to see the country. And, um, it's a cool way to build a family. Yes. Yeah, I and, mean, I met Christian on an away trip and couldn't imagine life without this guy now. So it's it's the best way to build your family. That goddamn duck. <laughs> that goddamn oh duck, man. RS all the way last year. Yeah. Uh, no, Back honest, before Petkey was a total piece oh, of crap. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, seriously, shout outs to all of you guys for traveling on the road. And, um, and Minnesota. I'm super excited to see you all in Minnesota. Because we're going from heat strip to frostbite in the span of two weeks. Hey, and start planning already because we're doing, we're pushing a thousand for uh, San Jose next year. Yeah, do San Jose away next year. Let's do it. All right. So stay tuned again. We're going to record on Friday before we play. So thanks, you guys, once again, Jamie and Christian and Michelle. We're out. Thank you so much. Peace.